I'm going to let, begin by letting you guess the title of today's sermon. It's three words, but you can only guess the first word at a time. So who wants, it's January 1st, who wants to guess the first word of today's sermon title? Laura? No. First word, first word. First word. Yes, Emma? No? Laura, you weren't way off, but first word. Nope. Oh, who said it? Happy. There you go. Let's get down to happy. Okay, now we're, on. now we're getting somewhere, right? So the first word of my sermon title today is happy. This is, this is no prizes, just pride, okay? That's pride for you right there, you know? You're the champion. You can do laps around the room right now, and that would be acceptable. Okay, happy. Who wants to guess the second word? Who said it? Dave knew. Let's see if that's right. Yep, that's right, correct. Um, so you are also a winner. You can join Sandy in doing laps around the room. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to ask, who wants to guess the third word of today's message? So, year? Is that what you said, year? The survey says? Day. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you're all wrong. No laps for any of you. We're talking about happy new day. So that just, I ruined it. I'm so sorry. Um, what a strange, what a strange, now it is happy new year. I know that, right? Some of us, what did you do? What did you do at midnight? I was washing dishes at midnight. So that's exciting, right? It's a new year. But what, what we're talking about today is happy new day. Now, if that seems strange to you, why? You say, Arlen, why would we talk about happy new day? Why day? What a weird choice of words to put up there. Why would you do that? We'll explain in a few minutes. But let me kind of start this way. A woman goes through an abusive relationship. She's with a man for a number of years who, well, abuses her physically, tears her down verbally, leaves her with a sense of, of, of a loss of identity. She struggles, doesn't know how to get away, doesn't know where to go, doesn't know where to turn, is afraid to speak up. One day, through a set of circumstances, she does. She leaves. Through a set of circumstances, she gets away. Maybe she's in a lady's home for a while, maybe she's found family, but she's safe. She's on her own. And while she's on her own, she finds herself overwhelmed. For the first time, she could relax. She's just overwhelmed. She doesn't even know how to shake it all off to recompose and figure out who she is. And she's just buried under it all, overwhelmed for a time. And then, one day, She decides that a new day has dawned. It's time to live again. A man grieves his wife who had an affair with another man. When he finds out about it and confronts her, rather than uh, stopping, it just becomes a reason to say, let's just end this whole thing, and she leaves him for this other man. He falls apart. For a season, he neglects his appearance, doesn't keep up of himself very well. Self-care is abandoned. Everything is abandoned. Everything's a wreck. And he just exists day upon day for a long time. Then, one day, 
he decides to pick up the pieces and start fresh once more. Or this, a person, a person is grieving the death of a parent or a child. And it's so overwhelming that for the next maybe year or two, for a couple of years, they find themselves living under a fog. They walk day by day and wonder if they will ever make it through the intense grief they carry every day when they open their eyes. They wonder if it will ever, life will ever be normal and bright again. They wonder if they'll ever be able to function in any kind of normal capacity. And the fog just continues to blanket them. It seems like they'll never make it through. And then, one day, the fog just lifts a little bit and they can just start to see a path forward. Someone experiences burnout. Maybe they're starting a company or they're doing a business or they're entering a new venture and they're so excited and then it becomes overwhelming and at some point it becomes crushing and they burn out and lose the career. Or perhaps, perhaps what they do is they lose their job and that causes them to stress and experience burnout. For a while, it's touch and go. Their family doesn't know what to do with them. No one knows how to handle the situation. Do you say, shake it off and move on? Do you say, you know, step back and recover? I don't know. But just for a while, it's just touch and go. And then one day, they open their eyes and begin to start dreaming again. You see, one of the hardest things to believe when you get knocked down in life is that you could ever, is that, that you or that life can ever be good again after that kind of a blow. Some of you experienced some blows along the way that you wondered, can life ever be the same? Or can there ever be really any sense of living after that? In many cases, people find themselves in spots where it's hard to move forward once the wind is knocked out of you financially, relationally, emotionally, or spiritually. In fact, it can be easy sometimes to just throw in the towel in the face of hardship or in the face of defeat or in the face of loss. And the key for anybody at some point in the journey, and it's never fluid, it's never, it's, it's so hard to speak into it. I would, you know, no matter who, who you are and how close they are to you and how much influence you have, you can't speak into, into you know, trying to manipulate, you know, timing. It's, it's someone's journey. They've got to figure it out. And you just can't word someone into what you want them to do. You can't do that for me. I can't do that for you. It's something that God's spirit does and we let him and follow him in doing. But at some point along the path, whether soon or after a long time, no matter what the journey looks like, the key is always a sense of there being a fresh start. A fresh start once you're ready to hear those words again. And for some people, They'll think that those were, they'll never feel that way until they do. And for others, well, when they do, it's all systems go. 
few years back, um, my, you know, I went through the toughest trial of my life. Um, just really a tough season. Michelle and I uh, bore together um, a number of years ago now. And it was just, it was blanketing. It was blanketing shock and grief and heartache to carry. Um, intense. The kind of thing where going through it, I didn't see how bad it was until after I began to emerge out of it. And even I began to emerge out of it and look back and say, boy, it's, it was bad, but it's better now. Even then, time would pass by, and another season of time would happen where I'd look back and think that time that I thought I was doing better was still pretty foggy. I just couldn't see how bad it was then because it was better than what was before. So it was just as you entered stages of moving past it, you could see how bad the last stage was that you couldn't tell when you were walking through it day by day. But at first it was intense. I didn't have time to get therapy and all the things we could have used. We just were just trying to plug away and take care of our livelihood and our family as we experienced. And nothing was wrong. Michelle and I were great. But we just something close to home just shook us and uh, it rocked our world a little bit. And, boy, it was just a dark season for me. Almost a couple years later got me to change careers. And all sorts of things happened. It doesn't matter what it is. The point is this. I remember going through a season of just thinking every day, I don't know how. I don't know how to go forward from here. I don't know how to function at my best. I remember working with my team as my team was the closest to me, had to see the worst of me because I sometimes was, was not functioning at my best for a season and trying to do it. I went to a conference one time with Anthony. Uh, and I went down to Georgia for a conference together, and uh, Anthony's in the online room, so he could nod his head from a distance or type in amen. But we went to a conference together. It was supposed to be a great time, and I remember sitting in the parking lot during one of the fun night sessions after something that had just happened in an experience in the last session that triggered a lot of pain. And I came out and sat in the parking lot and just sobbed the entire night session away and missed the whole hoopla. And uh, looking back, it's embarrassing probably a little bit, but it's just what, what grief looks like, right? Here's the point. I never thought it would happen. I never forget, though, a day came several months later when I woke up one morning and had a text on my phone. I think it was from Anthony. I'm not sure. But text on my phone, and I opened it up, and it was a link to a song by Danny Gokey. And the song was uh, Tell Your Heart to Beat Again. I never heard it before. But I played it, and it just it just got down into the, my soul. And I was like, man, that's exactly, exactly, exactly what I needed to hear, to tell your heart to beat again. Now, here's my point. Wherever you're at today, there is life after loss. There is life after heartache, after betrayal, after sin, after failure, after whatever you carry with you. We all need that moment to come along where we believe that, and we believe that because of that, that there can be a fresh new day dawning. One of the reasons so many people like New Year's Day, because every single year New Year's Day feels like a clean slate. That's one reason why it's so popular. That's why the, the popularity of New Year's resolutions, right, because whatever I didn't do well last year, well, that was last year. And it could, be, it could be a matter of personal goals, 
or it could just be a matter of putting the past behind us. But either way, it's a new year. I see people this year during a tough economy. Some of the circles that I, I operate in have talked about, oh, I'm so glad we're putting 2022 behind this little brutal year in our economy with our finances. And they're like, okay. And so it's a, is 2023 going to be magical? Who knows? But it's a new start. It's a fresh year. It's the start of something brand new. For some people, it's like, man, I had some goals personally. It wasn't that life beat me up last year. I just feel like I let myself down last year, and I didn't do well. But starting now, January 1st, I'm going to work out every day for the rest of the year. I'm going to eat healthy every day for the rest of the year. All the Christmas cookies that are still in the house that I ate all the way until midnight to stay awake last night are in the trash today. Because bless God, it's a new year, uh, new eating habits, new exercise regimes, new relational goals. I'm going to be spiritual, my best year with God ever. And, and New Year's goals can happen because it's fresh. It's a blank canvas in a new year. And I know that for some people, if you've been around the block, perhaps you get to a spot where you're more jaded than that. And you're like, I don't make New Year's resolutions anymore. I used to play that simple-minded game. And then I've matured into a cynical, uh, jaded person that I am today. I mean, just kidding. But no, you know, you got to something where you're like, that's a waste of time, Arlen. I have done that. And the historical significance of New Year's Day is that we make resolutions that usually by week three, give or take, you know, by the end of January, give or take a couple of weeks, we, we, we already broke the New Year's resolutions, you know. So what's the point? And so maybe you're in their goal saying, this year's going to be better. This year's going to be different. And maybe you're sitting there saying, nah, I'm not even trying. Maybe you're not looking forward to new goals, but maybe you're looking back on old heart, uh, heartaches and saying, I'm putting that behind me. Either way, a new year is a new opportunity. It's a, frank, a fresh, blank slate. We get to learn to write 2023 and everything, don't we? And I know that we don't write the dates as much as we used to, does anybody here, I'm going to ask a question. I'm not sure this is a bad question to ask because it's going to, it's going to mark some of us for, maybe it's even age-specific, I don't know. How many of you still write checks much? Still check writers? Okay. How many of you, you're like, checks, man. Digital payments, brother, that's all I do. Cards, everything. You don't use checks. How many of you have never used checks hardly at all? Hardly at all. Okay. Well, some of you, some of you do neither one. Do any, some of you even use money at all? I don't know. You're like in neither category. I don't write checks. I don't use digital money. I barter, I, I make a shawl, I trade it for corn, you know. I don't know what you do, okay. Anybody in that category? Um, okay. If you write checks, getting used to writing 2023 all the time, right? Or whatever you do in your paperwork at the job. I talked to the banker, uh, the 30th, uh, Janelle, who runs the Centier Bank right here, the manager. And she was telling me that she had to write 2023 for the first time a couple days before the new year. In some of her forms, and she said, I already messed up. I already wrote 2022. Don't you hate that? Like, it's a scribble back out, write 2023. But it's a new year. And we're excited to start a new year. It's a fresh slate, a blank canvas, a new year that's unsullied by the mess that tarnished last year. It can be better. And so, whether you set goals or not, we're here. Goals for 2023. But again, often we get discouraged. A month in, give or take a couple weeks after some mistakes or failures. So then we say, oh, well, I already blew 2023. It's January 31st. But hey, better luck 2024. Am I right? You know, here it comes. Just 11 months to go. And so we'll do it then. But here's what I want to ask you about, about everything, whether it's coming out of a tough season or whether it's trying to pioneer a brand new day that you're going to conquer with all your might. Here's what I want to ask you. 
Why do we always need to wait for a new year to push the reset button? Why is it always New Year's resolutions? Why is, why is that the starting point? Why wait after coming through a traumatic time even longer to begin again, to have a new day? My question to you is this. What about now? So, well, now is a new year, Arlen. Duh, I know. It's a happy new year. But I'm not speaking about this for New Year's sake. I want to know if in January 21st, if you're discouraged by how you're doing, you'll be able to say, so the first three weeks were pretty abysmal. Goals missed. Life changes, didn't materialize. But guess what today is? It's a new day. It's a happy new day day. What about today? You know, one of my favorite passages of scripture in the Bible, believe it or not, is written by a guy I really like. He's, he, if you don't, if you read your Bible through from cover to cover or been around church a while, the name I'm about to say is probably not one of the guys you're going to say, oh yeah, that's my favorite. But I, but I like him. I just do. His name is Jeremiah. I like Jeremiah because he was a young tyke who was called into um, you know, serving the Lord. Jeremiah was called uh, to be a, a prophet in a most unusual way at a very young age. And as a guy who got into ministry at a young age, I can relate to the youth factor where you walk into a crowd and, and, and you feel intimidated by the looks on people's faces and you don't know what you don't know and you're confident and zealous but also insecure and unsure and both at the same time. And um, Jeremiah was that guy, the Lord had to tell him, don't be dismayed at the looks on people's faces. Don't worry about them. But Jeremiah was young, and he had a very unpleasant job. Jeremiah's job was to tell a nation of people that basically there was no hope. The kingdom of Israel had split into two. He was now helping the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had already been carried off into captivity, and the southern kingdom was still there, and Jerusalem was still there, and he's out telling all the people, you're next. What a lovely job. Not like, hey, we'll give it the old college try. No, his job was, you're next. That was a fun day. That's a fun job as a prophet. There were other prophets that would go around and say the opposite. They'd say, oh, it's all good. Everything's awesome. And they were the popular ones. They were the ones who got the new, you know, Lexus given to them. But Jeremiah was the guy saying, we're next. <laughs> the shoe's going to drop. It's not going to be good. That we have already gone so far down a bad path nationally and so far down a bad path in our lives that we cannot turn the ship in time to avoid the coming tough season that is coming our way. The captivity will be here. Prepare for it. And as Jeremiah aged, he kept that message going. That could never have been fun. I like the guy for so many reasons. He began to preach hope to the nation, not hope of judgment not showing up on their doorstep. He began to preach hope beyond the hardship. He began to look beyond the coming trial and say, hey guys, it's gonna get tough, but I'm not looking at that. I'm telling you that that will come to an end. And when it comes to an end, you'll be back. But in the meantime, here's what you need to do. I loved his message. But eventually, the captivity came. And eventually, Jerusalem was torn down, and people were 
died and people were hauled away and the poor were left in the ravished land to care for what was there around them. Jeremiah was left behind in the rubble. And he wrote a book of the Hebrew scriptures that you may have never read before, but, you know, it's a good one. It's short. It's five chapters long. It's called the Book of Lamentations. And in Lamentations, Jeremiah is just lamenting. He's lamenting all that has happened, which he said was going to happen. He was actually preaching hope beyond the uh, upcoming tough time. The tough time came. He's left behind, and he begins to lament. And it's really a sad read. It's really sad. He just grieves. He pours out his heart. He says things like, is it nothing to you, all of you that pass by and see the tragedy that's befallen us? I mean, he's just grieving and grieving. But I love what he says to comfort himself partway through his writings. In Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22, Jeremiah says this. The faithful love of the Lord never ceases. It never ends. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies, they never cease. Now, I love that wording. I love that phrasing. His faithful love, God's faithful love. In other words, his love is steady. His love is faithful. His love is enduring. He says his mercies never cease. Now, mercies is an interesting word. I grew up in, in church hearing this concept of words like mercy and grace, Mercy and grace as being two different sides of the same coin. And I'm not sure this is the best explanation, but I grew up understanding mercy and grace as being two sides. I lost my whole screen just now. Two sides of the same coin. On one side of the coin, you have mercy and the other side is grace. And what's the difference? It's minor because they kind of go together. They kind of always work together. On the one side, there's mercy, which was explained to me when I was young as being God or whoever in your life shows mercy to you, someone not giving you what you deserve. In other words, you did something bad, and therefore you deserve some bad because of it, but they don't give you what you deserve, like thank you for the mercy. Whereas on the other side of the coin is grace. Grace is, is, not, giving, uh, is not only not giving us what we do deserve, but grace is giving us what we don't deserve, the unmerited favor, the blessings that we don't deserve. It's like, oh, I'm gonna be good to you. And again, those things tend to go, they should go together. And, and with God, they do that. He is merciful and he is gracious. And, and Jeremiah is saying in the middle of all this heartache, in the middle of this mess, the rubble that he's sitting in, the lamentations that he's writing, he's saying God's mercies never cease because he has what we call faithful love. Love that is, that is more faithful than we are. If all the things about God that is faithful and true, his love is faithful, and it never ends. And then he adds this statement. He says, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I love this verse so much. He says, great is his faithfulness. His faithful love, we just talked about it. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. In other words, to Jeremiah, what he's saying is, when you wake up the next day, it's not just a fresh day, it's fresh mercies. What he's saying is if God gives a brand new day, he always includes brand new mercies with it. In every possible situation, including what he was walking through, as tough as it was, he said, if God gives a brand new day, 
he includes brand new mercies. And it can be a brand new day. It can be even a happy new day. It's something similar to what the psalmist wrote when the psalmist was writing you know, so many psalms that they would sing. We, we read them, but they sang them. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 118.24 when he said, This is the day, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, again, that's easy to say when it's a good day, when it's a good season. But the psalmist isn't saying, I'm saying it because everything's going my way, that everything's up and to the right. He's saying, regardless of what's happening in life, today is a day that God has made that God has given me. And because I have it and it wasn't guaranteed, I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in this new day. So I know it's New Year's. And I know for a bunch of us, maybe you're trying to put 2022 behind you. And then for others of us, you're trying to say, 2023 is going to be the best year of my life. Hoof, just do it. You know, we're going to have that whole thing going on, right? It's going to be great. But here's the thing. Regardless of what that looks like, I want you to remember beyond today that it's not the new year that's fresh. It's not the new year that's a clean slate. It's the new day. The best thing about today is not that it's 2023. It's that it's January 1st. And the best thing about tomorrow is not that it's going to be 2023 still. It's that it's January 2nd. You see what I'm saying? It's a brand new day. Why wait for a year every year? Why wait a month from now for the next year to start new? Try today. You say, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's, it's still been, it's been tough. Look, we can't, we can't always make yesterday right, but today can be made new. In the end, I want you to think about this before I wrap this up. In the end, that's exactly what God will do. In the end, after all the sin and all the heartache and all the mess of this world, after the sacrifice of Christ on the cross to bring us redemption, after the final reckoning, that's exactly what God is going to do. John, the disciple, was given a view of the, of the end time, of, of, the, of someday in heaven, how it will all be. And he records it in the book of Revelations. And here's what he says after all of the crazy ride and the mess and the redemptive arc of this world. John writes these words down about what God does afterwards. And near the end of Revelations, in Revelations 21, verse 5, he says, And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. That's it. The day is going to come. I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and it's true. Write it down. Write it down because I'm making everything brand new. You see, this is the thought that, that helps me. Each new day reminds me of God's promise that one day he will make all things new. And each new day should remind each of us of God's promise that one day he will make all things new. And if God is in the business of not, not you say, well, he's going to make things right, yes, but better than that, he's going to make things new. And if God's going to make things new, 
then why can't we along the way say, God, by your grace, let me take each new day you give me and let you make it new in me. And some of us desperately need new. If I was to call you up here and put the microphone in front of you and you were to be given a truth serum to spill out your guts through the crowd, it's the worst thought in the, in the world to some of you, right? Like that's just like the worst thought in the world. But if you were to, to share what's going on, you would be like, I desperately need to move past some things. I desperately need a clean slate. I desperately need a fresh start. And it's New Year's, so you have it. But it's better than that. It's a new day. And three weeks from now, on a Tuesday, it'll be a new day. And four weeks later, on a Monday, it'll be a new day. And it's up to you at any given point in time to wake up and realize God is in the business of making all things new. He makes us new. He'll make everything new. He'll make creation new. He gave me a new day. And he gives us new mercies with each new day. It's a day that he has made so we can rejoice and be glad or happy in it. So I want to add uh, something to your schedule for 2023. This is my little take home. What I want you to do in 2023 is, is if you are a person who's never done affirmations, first of all, affirmations are a great tool to add to your life. It's when you can start each day and say something you know, that, you know, you, you can pray, you can, you know, read your scripture, whatever, you, you, is your rhythm for devotions. But, but with all of that, to say some affirmations of saying, God is with me, or I am, I have, he's given me the tools I need to succeed. I don't know, affirmations are just something that you speak the truth over yourself when the lies are so easily prevalent. And if that is a new idea to you, then start, start researching that instead. But if you want an affirmation to use in 2023, I want to give you one every single day. And it's not so much of an affirmation as much as it is a declaration. A declaration that you wake up the new day. And I want you to do it. And for some of you, you should do it all year long. In fact, that might be the best thing you can do this year, is to do it all year long. As you start each new day, when you open your eyes, say these words, I can begin again. You know why? Because you woke up. I can begin again. You see, well, Arlen, that's cute. But what happens when the day is inevitably a hot mess? In other words, we're already resigning. It's inevitably going to be a hot mess. And it won't be so pretty and it won't be so good. What then? Then here's what you do. You go to bed at night acknowledging the struggle to the Lord in prayer. In fact, a great way to close out your night before you fall asleep is to say to God, I acknowledge it's been a really crazy, messed up day, perhaps by things outside of my control or perhaps because of me. And thank him for bringing you through it. And close your eyes and put it behind you and look ahead. And if God gives you a new day, and we're never guaranteed that, if God gives you a new day when you open your eyes, Believe that with each new day come brand new mercies. And say the next morning what you said the morning before. Say who cares, that was then, this is now. I can begin again. And I want you to have more than one start this year. I want you to have 365 new starts throughout 2023. Every brand new day. For some of us, it's a landmark moment. It's time to just step away from some things and move into some new, some new space. 
And for others of us, it's just a daily recommitment to the things that matter despite what happened yesterday. But I can begin again. New beginnings are not just for the new year, and they're not just for the young. They're for you. If God gives you today, begin again. Happy new day.